Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Let's try that again. Good morning. Happy Sunday. We doing well today? So good to see you in the house of the Lord. I hope you're doing well on a beautiful fall day. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'm Nate. And uh, so glad you're here with us today to worship the Lord together, to receive the word together. We've been walking through the book of Acts, and I'm hitting pause on our study in Acts for one week today. And I'm going to do a standalone message, and then next week we're going to get back into the book of Acts. Has anybody been enjoying and learning something about Acts the last few months? We're going to get back into that next week. I'm really excited. A few things coming up uh, as you get to 2 Corinthians 9 I want to let you know about. Next month, we have another round of membership class. If you've been coming here and want to learn more about uh, who we are and your role here, and you want to jump in as part of this church, uh, we've got a three-part class uh, that we call membership class. That's the first three Sundays of November. And so that's coming up next month. You can sign up online for that. And then also this upcoming Saturday, uh, we're going to be going to the pumpkin patch uh, for the for families. If you want to get, uh, get out the house and meet some people and walk around and that kind of stuff, you can sign up online. All the info is online for that as well. I know there's already a bunch of people and families signed up. So that'll be fun uh, to celebrate the fall. That sound good? Second Corinthians chapter number nine, verse number six. Scripture says this: Remember this: Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. That is, as it is written, he scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse number 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And then verse number 11, we're gonna finish here. I love this so much. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Isn't that a beautiful passage of scripture? Today I wanna talk around this idea. I wanna talk about a generous heart, a generous heart. Would you pray this out loud with me? Say, dear God, today, do what no man can do. Open my eyes, open my heart, that I may receive your word. Believe your word and obey your word. Amen. 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 I want to talk about a generous heart today. Today we're going to talk about finances. We're going to talk about money. And I'll say up front, I do owe a lot of this to Pastor Robert Morris and Pastor Rob Ketterling. They've got so much good material on this. In fact, if if today kind of piques your interest and you want to do a deeper dive, there's a book by Robert Morris called The Blessed Life. The Blessed Life by Robert Morris is a great resource on finance and on generosity. And uh, we're going to talk about money today. Your money is attached to your heart. Your money, how you think about it, how you handle it, 
It, it is attached to your heart. Uh, 500 times in the scripture, we see prayer mentioned. About 500 times, we see faith mentioned. And over 2,000 times, we see finances mentioned. So, so unashamedly, the scripture speaks about finances, about wealth, about possessions. In fact, Jesus himself spoke more about money than he did about faith, heaven, and hell combined. So, so if, if you didn't like hearing about money, you wouldn't like a study through scripture, nor would you like the teachings of Jesus, because the scriptures in Jesus is very unashamed to speak about our possessions and our wealth and our finances. And here at, at o- Oasis Church, we are very unashamed to talk about money. We're very unashamed to talk about our finances because every single person in the room, anybody that would watch this online, anybody in your life, our lives are drastically affected by finances. Finances are a big part of our life. They are, it is, it is, it it touches every single person. It affects all of our lives. And so the scripture has much to say about finances. So because of that, we're unashamed to talk about it here in church and see what God's word has to say about it. Here's some Stats that I found were really interesting regarding finances and giving here recently. 2020 was a record year in the United States for charitable giving. Isn't that interesting? There was a 5% jump from the previous high in 2020. Over $471 billion were given to U.S. charities in 2020. It's very interesting um, in a time of chaos and shutdown and uncertainty and fear and panic. And in the midst of that, the U- people in the U.S. gave more than we've ever given before. It was almost like instead of people doing this, they saw the need and they saw the hurt and people lived more open-handed in a time of chaos and uncertainty than ever before. And throughout church history, you actually see uh, the more things that come against the church and come against people, the more God's people rise up and the more God's people advance. And so 2020, uh, more people gave and gave more than ever before. Uh, those making $50,000 a year or less gave a greater percentage of their income than those making above 50,000. In 2020, even though the percentage was up, the percentage was still smaller than the percentage of giving during the Great Depression. It's very interesting. In the Great Depression, uh, people were radically generous with what they had. Again, in the midst of uncertainty and hurt and chaos, uh, God's people have always been a generous people. In America, um, Americans are seven times more generous than people in Europe, than Europeans. Uh, I I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago and I won't bother it long, but socialism has a way of stripping generosity from people. It has a way of um, not not motivating people to give generously. They just think, well, the government's taking too much from me and they're gonna take care of us so I don't have to. And so people are not generous in those sort of cultures. And so in Europe, we're, we're seven X more generous here than in Europe, the average family uh, gives $2,514 to charities every year. Um, 27% of people in churches in America give zero. So I hear sometimes a lot like, oh, churches are all about money, church talk about money, church has all this money, church doesn't need my money. Over 25% of people in churches give nothing, zero. Um, Only 5% give consistently. And those that give consistently average giving 2.5% of their income. Uh, in American churches, 75 to 90% of church members do not tithe 
Tithing is the first 10% of your income to the local church. 75 to 90% don't tithe. So between 10 and 25% of people that call themselves members of a church, are planted in a church, actually tithe. And I'm not sure the percentage here. Um, I do know we're higher than the average as far as percentage that ties, but I also know we're not even close to 100%, okay? Um, those who do start tithing, I thought this was interesting, um, they found once someone starts tithing, they don't stop. Once someone starts to tithe, they don't stop. It's almost like the spirit of generosity, the spirit of giving gets in you, and as you begin to tithe and begin to give, almost 0% of people that began to tithe stop tithing. In fact, once you begin to tithe, the percentage of your giving continued to climb and climb and climb, and they found over time, tithers began to give more and more and more, and it would plateau at about 20%. So when someone started to tithe, they would increase in their generosity all the way up to about 20% of their income, and that's where the stats show there's about a plateau as far as people's giving. Here's the last stat I thought was really interesting. If people in the church, this is just in the church, this is not the unchurched, if people in the church in America tithed $165 billion, that's what the B, would be added to fund kingdom work every year. By the way, just for some context, that's enough to fund every missionary globally several times over. That's enough for everyone on planet Earth to have quick access to clean water, like very quickly. It's just a matter of getting the machine there and doing it. That, that would fund clean water for the globe very quickly. Um, every church building here in the States and globally would be paid off, debt-free, handled very quickly. $165 billion would be added. And over 80% of the money in Christians' pockets globally is in America. It's very interesting. Uh, God's people globally, 80% of the people, or of the money in God's people's hands globally is right here in America. And if God's people tithed, what, what could it do? So, so God, God cares about our finances. God cares about it because he cares about our heart. My main point for today is this. A heart touched by God is generous and starts with the tithe. A heart that's touched by God is a generous heart, and a generous heart starts with the tithe. So what a tithe. Tithing has kind of become a churchy word. It's kind of become a um, word that you only hear talked about when it comes to church, but it's not, it, it, its roots didn't come from church or Christianity. It's just, it just means tenth. It's just a tenth. It's a percentage number. The tithe means the first 10% of your increase being returned to the local church, being given to God in the local church. The tithe is the first 10%. And it's always funny, uh, we, we talk about giving pretty consistent here if you've been here for any amount of time. Uh, there's a few times throughout the year we talk about giving, we're unashamed uh, to do it. And it's funny, I was even talking to some people this week at our church and they're asking like, hey, what you preaching on, what you preaching on? And it's funny when I say money, people's reactions are always kind of different and funny. If, if the person is a giver and a tither, it's normally like, yeah, oh, you know, I've already heard that. Yeah, I'm good on that. I know. But there's like a kind of a smile on their face. And even as I'm preaching, they're like leaned in and nodding. And yes, I'm with you. And yes, it's like a good reminder because you're living a generous life. You're living in obedience to God in the tithe. Um, but then I hear too from some people, they say, oh, no, I'm not a tither. I'm not a tither because that's Old Testament. I'm a New Testament Christian. Uh, Jesus has saved me. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace, and so I'm not a tither. And I would just look at you and say, okay, how much do you give above your 10 then? 
Because the New Testament ups everything. You, like, you do know that's the pattern, right? Like, Jesus, Jesus said, hey, the law said don't murder. I say, if you hate anyone in your heart, you're guilty of murder. So not only can you not murder, but you can't hate, you're guilty of the same thing. Jesus just upped it. How about with lust? Uh, Jesus said, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look upon someone with lust, you're guilty of adultery. So it's not only don't commit adultery, but don't commit lust. You're guilty of the same thing. He just upped it. So if that's Old Testament, how much have you upped it will be my question. (laughs) You guys still with me today? You glad you came to church today? (laughs) Tithing is a biblical principle. So um, tithing is not only in the law, but tithing is pre-law. Because people, you know, people say, oh, that's just the law. We don't have to follow the law. That was the Old Testament. Um, tithing is pre-law. We, we see scripturally Genesis 14, Abram, he gives Melchizedek, which is a form of Christ. Hebrew says he's a form of Christ. Um, a lot of scholars believe it was Jesus incarnate. And he praises God for the victory that he just got, Genesis 14. This is before the law, by giving God a tenth of his increase. So we see scripturally a pattern, and we see uh, the, the idea of the first 10% being given to God as a sign of worship, as a sign of praise, before the law was given. So, so tithing is not just law, pre-law, but it's also in the law, tithing in the law. We see in Malachi, he talks about this in Malachi 3. It says, bring the, to- the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store. This is the only law given where God puts like a test on it, where he's, he's essentially putting a stamp saying, I dare you, test me and see if I'm not faithful to my word in this. God doesn't say that or put that on any other command he gives, but he puts it on the tithe. He puts it on the first 10%. This is not the only scripture in the law about tithe. Um, we could be here literally all afternoon reading the Old Testament law about tithing. We see it in Numbers 18, speaks of the tithe. Second Chronicles 31, 4 and 5, God's people bring a tithe. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, speak of the tithe. Deuteronomy 12, 5 and 6, speak of the tithe. Genesis 28, Jacob gives God a tithe for his increase in Genesis 28, 20 through 22. Nehemiah, after they rebuild the walls and they're dedicating it to the Lord and they're worshiping the Lord, um, he leads the people. People of God and bringing a tenth of all of they have um, to dedicate it to the Lord. Leviticus 27, 30 through 34 speaks of the tithe. I mean, we could be here all day. All throughout the law, it is a pattern of the people of God. They bring their tenth to God as a sign of obedience and worship for what he has done for them. So tithing is pre-law. Tithing is in the law. And then tithing is baseline in the New Testament. It's baseline in the New Testament. I've heard it said, you know, it's not talked about a lot in the Old Testament, like, like in the Gospels and in um, the Apostles' writing. You don't see the tithe in the New Testament as much as the New Testament. Or, I'm sorry, as much as in the Old. And that's correct. You don't see the tithe talked about as much in the New Testament. And the reason is because it was assumed God's people did that. Like it was assumed. It, it, was, a, it was a part of the pattern of the people of God that they gave a tenth to the house of the Lord. So we see in Matthew 23, it, 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 it's, in the Old Te- or sorry, it's in the New Testament. You do see it. You just don't see it as much. You see Jesus himself. He's rebuking the Pharisees. Here's what he says. 
Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. All right, so he's rebuking them, and in his rebuke, he's stating the fact that they tithe. He's like, you're bringing your tenth. You're tithing from your spice. You're tithing from the things of value that you own. And then he says, but you neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. Then look at this. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So he's like, listen, guys, you're tithing. And he mentions that and breezes by it because, again, it was assumed the people of God tithed. And then he says, but guys, you're, you're hypocrites. You're not doing these other things. But notice what Jesus says. He goes, you should be doing both. He goes, don't neglect this for that. Don't pick this or that. And, and we, we see this all the time today. People say, oh, no, I, I don't tithe. I just serve. I don't tithe, I just pray for people. I don't tithe, I just give some of my time. And Jesus would say just what he said to the Pharisees, no, 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 don't neglect the former for the latter. You ought to be doing both. Both. So tithing is in the New Testament. Um, tithing is not even generosity. Tithing is obedience. You're not being generous when you tithe. You're being obedient to return to God. Again, there's so much here. You can read this in The Blessed Life and we'll hit it more at another time. But to return the tithe is to give God back what he has reserved sacred and special for himself. And, and to not do it, the scriptures would say, is to rob God of what he has reserved for himself. John Templeton, he founded Templeton Investments. He said this, I've observed over 100,000 families over my years of financial counseling. I always saw greater prosperity and happiness among those families who tithed than among those who didn't. The testimony of a tither is the faithfulness of God 100% of the time. This is my 11th year of ministry, so I realize I don't have 50 years of data to go from from my personal experience, but in 11 years of ministry, the only testimony that I've seen or heard from a tither is the faithfulness of God. And the only testimony I hear from a non-tither is never enough. Tithing is pre-law, law, and New Testament. The first 10%. All right, so I've got a little illustration today. I'm going to ask a whole group of guys to come help me because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be lots of fun. So here, this table represents our lives in our table. This table over here is a picture and represents God's table in God's house. And so when we get increase, we bring the first 10% to God and 90 is ours. And so we've got a bunch of increase today. It's harvest season. We've got... Uh, Spaghetti squash. Anybody ever had this before? I had no idea what this was before I got it. I'm like, what is a spaghetti squash? So we got 10 spaghetti squash. So the first one goes to God on God's table, and then the other nine go to us. Uh, next, we've got baby carrots. These are my favorite. Come on, dip them in a little cup of peanut butter for a snack. I'll crush this whole bag in about a day and a half. Come on, somebody. And uh, avocados, shout out to guacamole. Who, who's bougie and pays extra for that at Chipotle? Anybody? Come on, yeah, there you go. So one bag of carrots goes to God. Nine carrots go to us. One avocado goes to, go, it goes to God. Nine go to us. Next, we've got mangoes. Look at that. Doesn't that look pretty? There's a nice little mango there. The first mango goes to God, and the other nine 
go to us. What do we got next? We got a peach, a nice little Georgia peach here. So the first peach goes to God. This is the tithe. The other nine go to us. What do we got next? Bananas, organic bananas. Come on, somebody. You're not getting cramps today. Get your potassium in there. You got some bananas. The first bunch of bananas goes to God. We're going to tithe that. And the other nine go to, oh, look at that. We're overflowing over there. We got kiwi. The first kiwi we tithe goes to God's house. The other nine go to us. Celery. There we go. Look at that. Good job, man. Good job. Celery. I love, uh, you know, putting the peanut butter in this thing. Celery stalks of celery. It's straight water, by the way, straight water here. Uh, the first stalk goes to God. The rest goes to us. We got a plum, a plum. You guys see we're overflowing over there, by the way. That, that's, that's your table. That's your table. This is God's table. So the first plum goes to the house of God. This is God's. The other nine go to us. We got a bag of apples. Honeycrisp apples. Come on, I love some Honeycrisp apples. Amen. <laughs> we got the first bag of Honeycrisp apples goes to God's house and the other nine go to ours. We've got a head of lettuce, iceberg lettuce. We're having a salad today. Come on, somebody, with the good croutons. The, the salad is going to go, the first one's going to go to God's house. The other nine are going to go to ours. All right, so just look at this for a minute, okay? This is God's. This is ours. <laughs> this is God's. This is ours. How, how incredible even is it that God entrusts us to keep, manage, and steward the 90? And he asked for the 10. The God of the universe that gave his life for us asked for the 10. And we manage and steward the rest of the 90. This is the tithe. This is bringing it first. It is holy. It is set apart to God. And then this is our table to live with and manage with and steward. And, and here's what happens. And I love that the data has showed this. Once people begin to do this and you just begin to look at God's table and you begin to look at your table, here's what people do. They begin to think, well, you know what? I, I, could, I could probably put, <laughs> there we go. I could probably put a little bit more onto God's table. How much, how much more can I begin to give? And you just begin to look at your life and evaluate your life in your own table and, and you stop asking questions like, how much can I give? But start asking, how much do I need to keep? And, and when, when you begin to give above the tithe is when you begin to be generous. You have started generosity when you begin to give above the tithe. When you begin to look at your table and God's and say, how much can I give and put into kingdom things and how much do I need on my table? This is generous living, generous giving. So generous giving above the tithe here at our church, we, we call that kingdom builders. We call that kingdom builders. Generous giving above the tithe, we call it kingdom builders. A kingdom builder is anybody who decides to give anything above their tithe. Anybody that gives anything above the tithe that has given the first 10 to God and then you look at the rest and say, what can I give to God above that is a part of kingdom builders. And here's, here's what we want kingdom builders to be. Here's what it is in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. 
Okay, so we never do and are not gonna be the pressure-packed, twist your arm, emotionally manipulate you to give to something. Like, we want you to look at the scripture and say, hey, decide in your heart above the tithe what to give. So look at your table, decide in your heart what to give, and then not reluctantly or under compulsion, but, but cheerfully give because God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerfully give because God loves a cheerful giver. Our way of providing a clear path for our church for above and beyond giving is, is what we call kingdom builders. Kingdom builders is taking what's on our table and putting it on to God. So I've got a little illustration here that I wanna do. I've got a lot of them today, actually. It's just gonna be a fun day in the house of the Lord today. So here's, here's the tithe. We've talked about that. The tithe is 10% back to the local church, uh, and the tithe takes care of the church, period. Right, so if the church tithes, the church is taken care of. Uh, we have to pay rent here. There's a staff. We have to pay utilities. Um, but your tithe bought all these groceries today, so if you want some, they got to go. So go ahead and take them. You bought them. <laughs> so if you want some fresh produce before you leave today, for real, we got to get rid of it, so come take some. Uh, if you tithe here, you bought those, okay? So... Um, like we'll do a harvest festival thing uh, on the 30th in a few weeks after service and there's food and all this kind of stuff. Like you're not having to buy that food at the harvest festival. The tithe takes care of that, okay? So when, when the church tithes, the, 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 the needs of the church are met, okay, through the tithe. Above the tithe is like I said, we have, I'm gonna move this over here. We have kingdom builders, kingdom builders. And there's so many things. It's like, how many know there's so many great things to give money towards? Like, there's just needs everywhere, right? Like, you don't have to look far or hard to find great places to invest the resources God has given you. There's great needs everywhere. And so um, there's some great ones. We, I live in the world of, like, missions and ministries and stuff. And so uh, I know these people. I know these organizations. Our team does. So I live in the world. So I, I know I'm aware of a plethora of great places to invest kingdom finance. And so there's some things. We've actually got a Kingdom Builders form. I want you to pull this out. It was in your bulletin. We, we have a list of three different Kingdom Builder categories. And the three different categories are local, that's right here, global, everywhere, and future, thinking about next generation. Okay, so... We've got a list of everything that is in Kingdom Builders for us. And so here's a few of those. Let's just look at those for a minute. So we've got, let's start pulling out the buckets. We've got Church Multiplication Network. This is uh, a wing of the Assemblies of God that has a vision of planting a spirit-filled church in every community in the U.S., so far, they've planted, in uh, like the last few years, I think at 471 churches across the United States is what I saw the last few years. They helped plant us. They helped fund us um, the money we needed up front to get the church off the ground. And as we give to them, we help fund other new plants all over the nation. It's incredible. So Church Multiplication Network, that's a great ministry there to give to. Uh, RVA Hope Center, we had them in just about a month or so ago. They do great work right in our backyard, right downtown, um, ministering to kids and families and sharing the love of Christ with them. RVA Hope Center right there in our backyard. Uh, we've got Project Rescue. Project Rescue um, focuses and exists to get women and children out of sex slavery 
all over the globe. So they rescue them, they get them in safe housing, and they equip them to get back on their feet and live a life of dignity and safety and just amazing work, Project Rescue over there in Asia, Europe, and Africa. Um, Our future church facility, we want to get a place that is ours here in Richmond that we own. We we pay rent here, we have 22 more months on our lease, and we believe that God's gonna give us property that we own. It's putting an anchor down here. It's, we're, we're here to stay. We're here to build. We're not tenants. We're owners. And so we're believing for God to give us a facility here in the next few years right here in the city. So there's the, city, there's the facility. Bibles in schools. There's a teacher in Chesterfield County who caught a heart to put Bibles for kids in schools that they could check out at the library. And God just blessed it. And this this ministry has put thousands of copies of God's word into library, public school libraries all over the nation, uh, right here in the schools around here, but also everywhere. So Bibles in schools, what a great thing to give towards. Buy Bibles to get them in public schools. Come on, somebody. How many know they need it? Uh, Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope uh, does disaster relief. They were just in Florida during Hurricane Ian. Everyone else was leaving. They were coming. They provide relief uh, to uh, any kind of disaster that happens globally, you can bet on Convoy is there. Convoy is there providing relief to people who need it. And then next-gen missions trips. Um, We have a heart here to be a sending church, to send people on missions trips, to catch a global heart. But in people's formative years in particular, I've got a vision to be able to send every student that's a part of our church before they finish high school, for our church to send them on a mission trip in formative years to develop a global missional heart. And so instead of telling the 14-year-old that they have to like write 40 different fundraising letters and go sell Krispy Kreme donuts to fund it, how cool would it be if we called them up here and said, our church believes in you, we've given to kingdom builders, and we've paid for your mission trip to go, now go minister. Isn't that cool? So next-gen missions trips. And so here's, here's what most churches do, okay? They say, okay, we need you to tithe to take care of the house. We need you to tithe to take care of the church. And then after you tithe, um, see a man is really great. You should give to that. And then the missions trips, we got some coming up. You should give to that. And then RVA Hope Center, weren't they really great? Aren't they doing great stuff? You should give to that. And then uh, we need a facility. We need a down payment. We found a facility. We need a down payment. You should give to that. And then, and so what happens is there's all of these buckets. And because there's so many different things and they're all amazing, people just kind of get paralyzed by the multitude of decisions, and they're like, I don't, do I just kind of throw it up and see what lands in what bucket? Like, how do I know what's more important? And because it's not clear and there's so many good options, people just don't know what to do with above and beyond generosity. So here's what we've done to be able to help our church operate in generosity above and beyond, is we've put all these things together and created a kingdom mutual fund called Kingdom Builders. And we've put all of them in here to say, no, 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 you don't need to give to 20 buckets. Give to one above and beyond, and we distribute to the buckets as you give it. So so there's clarity for a path. There's clarity for vision for our above and beyond giving. It doesn't have to be split or divided or torn. As we give to kingdom builders, we're funding all of these different things. And so what we've done as a church in the past is we've done one offering at the end of the year where we said, hey, stretch your faith, give above and beyond to, to these things. And so here on November 13th, it's right there on your form, is gonna be our miracle offering where we're gonna ask you to pray, ask God 
and be obedient to God to give in that offering what he would ask you to give. But it's not just gonna be a one-time thing anymore where we ask you at the end of each year. But, but like, we're gonna say, hey, as part of our normal living and giving, what would God have you give above and beyond, right? Like it's not just a once a year practice of faith. It, it ought to be a continual pattern in our lives of giving and being generous, okay? And so um, the miracle offering on the 13th of November and then next year, we're gonna be talking about this consistently. You're gonna be hearing updates every single month about Kingdom Builders giving and how we're filling these buckets and what these buckets are doing. And then next year's, Miracle offering is on the 12th of November, and our goal for the end of this year and then all of next year is $160,000, okay? Our goal is $160,000, and the great part about this is, as you give, if we hit it early, then there's plenty more in all these buckets. Each one just gets fueled more, okay? So this isn't a ceiling, but this is a floor to say, how can we give and fund kingdom work. And so there's three things that I want you to do and think through. I want you to turn your form around there. I want you to turn your form around. There's three things that I want everyone in our church in these next few weeks to pray around and to look at. Three words. The first one is plan. Plan. I want you to plan. Plan is what you can do without a miracle and without help from God. Like you can look at your life, you can look at your budget, you can look at your giving, and you can say, hey, I can plan to give this. So it might be a certain amount per week, it might be a certain amount per month or per year, but you can say, uh, hey, I can plan on $50 a month. I don't need a raise, I don't need a miracle, I don't need anything to change in my life, I can just plan it. And so make a plan for what you can give to kingdom builders above and beyond, and then just work the plan. Execute the plan, make the plan, and work the plan. Beyond the plan, though, is the vision. The vision. Here's, here's what you could do, but you can't do it on your own. It's what you need God for. You say, okay, I can do 50 bucks a month in my plan, but my vision is to be able to do 200 bucks a month. And I don't have it, and I don't know where it's gonna come from, and it's gonna be a stretch of faith for me, but it's a vision. So here's where your faith gets activated, and you believe God to provide in a way where you can give to kingdom work. And then beyond the vision is the dream. It's, it's the goal, it's the kingdom builder's giving goal that just scares you. You're like, no way in the world do we have this, no way in the world we could do this, but somehow if God miraculously provided and made a way for us to do it, my dream would be that we would give this to kingdom builders. By the way, that dream is something you're probably not sharing with a lot of people. Biblically speaking, when you start sharing your dreams with people, it doesn't go well for you. <laughs> it just doesn't go well. They, they throw you into a pit. They don't have anything to do with you anymore. You know, I've heard it said, don't share your dream with people that don't have dreams. So the dream is your God goal. It's your God dream that you, maybe your spouse just at home, that you're praying around and that you're asking God for. So you make a plan, you make a vision, and you make a dream, and then you're just on a faith journey believing for God to help you do this as you give to kingdom work. Are you with me today? Here's the heart of kingdom builders in Romans chapter 10. How can they call on one they have not believed in how can they believe in one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach, look at this, unless they're sent? How can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Look, we said the tithe takes care of here. Kingdom builders, what does it do? It sends. It sends. 
It's getting our heart and our finances missionally thinking. We're sending those that are preaching the good news. All right, I'm gonna finish with this one illustration here really quick. Let's say, uh, let's say you go out to eat at your favorite restaurant. You guys got your favorite restaurant, right? Everybody knows your favorite restaurant. You go to your favorite restaurant and you're sitting at the table and you've got a few other seats around the table with you. Right here at this seat, you've got David and Beth Grant. David and Beth Grant first went to India about 30 years ago to start Project Rescue as Assemblies of God World Missionaries. They raised their own support, moved to India, and their first project in India, they got 37 young girls out of sex trafficking. They never had a chance. They were born into it. That's the only life they've known. 37 girls out of the brothels in the red light district of Southern Asia. And they, they, they got a home where they cared for and raised these 37 girls. For the last three decades, they have been rescuing thousands of women out of sex slavery, restoring dignity and value to their life, training them with life skills, getting them on their feet, and sending it out. It's not only in Southern Asia anymore, it's all over Europe and Africa. Project Rescue has homes and and offices and incredible kingdom work, snatching kids out of darkness, literally out of darkness. And so you're just sitting at dinner and they're just tell, I mean, they could tell stories for days, for days, for days. David and Beth Grant. Across from you, you've got Hannah Salisbury. Hannah Salisbury is a second grade teacher in Chesterfield County. And her eight-year-old student was reading like this old jacked up Bible. (laughs) And she was like, hey, like what you reading? Where'd you get that? And uh, he was like, I got it from the library, but it was a really old one. And it was like, it wasn't a kid's version. So he really didn't read it. He didn't know what he was doing as an eight-year-old. And so she was like, why do we not have the story Bibles with God's word and the pictures in a condensed way that kids can grasp God's word? And so she gathered some friends in 38 schools in Chesterfield County and got story Bibles and got them in all 38 schools in Chesterfield County to where the kids in public schools can get story Bibles. And word got out and video got out and people came calling. She left her job as a teacher to full time devote her life to getting school, to getting Bibles in public schools. Today, this only started in 2018. Today, thousands and thousands of public schools are filled with story Bibles for kids to check out. And to this day, she's continuing to do that called Bibles in Schools. So she's just telling you about the last few years as she's been doing this and you're hearing stories about schools in Idaho calling and schools in New York calling, wanting more copies because all the Bibles are checked out of K through five schools and it's amazing. And then sitting right here, you've got Mark Cox. Mark Cox works for Convoy of Hope and he's telling you about Hurricane Ian just coming through and everybody's evacuating, headed north. And as they head north, they're passing uh, lines and lines of Convoy of Hope freight trucks that are headed south. They, they drive there and get there before the storm so that when the storm hits and the second it passes, they're already there. 
So when the bridges and stuff collapsed and stuff was flooded, Convoy of Hope was already there. And he's telling you stories about the supplies that they gave to people. And what Mark does so well is they don't just meet their physical need, like here's some water bottles, here's some food, but they work with local pastors in the area where they're going. So they're not just helping people physically, but as they do, they're connecting them with the spiritual house on site. So the person is able to hear the gospel, be discipled, get Christian community. Everywhere they go, Convoy of Hope. And he's just sharing stories about Fort Myers, Florida, and all these different things they're doing there the last few weeks. So David and Beth Grant, Hannah Salisbury, Mark Cox, you just sit there for hours, stories and stories and stories and stories. And then the check comes for dinner. The server puts the check on the table. So what do you do? You grab the check. Like, you grab the check. You, you just grab the check. Like, it's the least I could do to, to help to serve in any way everything they're doing for the kingdom. Like, give me that check. So he, here's what Kingdom Builders is. It's just grabbing the check. It's just, it's, it's just grabbing the check. It's, it's saying, God, I, I, I can't go and give my life to Southern Asia right now. I can't do it. God, I can't give my life to getting by, but, but here's what I can do. I can grab the check. It looks different for every single person. It looks different, but Kingdom Builders is saying, God, I wanna grab the check because I, I wanna be generous to build your kingdom beyond my life. So Lord, I've honored you with the tithe and now I wanna look at what you've given me and ask, Lord, what would you have me do to pick up the check? And, and I don't want you to, I don't want you to get, please don't give because Nate asked you to give. Like, don't do that. Please don't do that. I don't, I don't want that on my, I don't want that pressure on my life. <laughs> like, ask God. Get along with God. We've provided the list of all these ministries. Their website is on the thing. Look at them, research them. We're, we'll be highlighting them over the, over the next year so you can see where our Kingdom Builders is going. And uh, man, I, I'm just believing God's gonna develop a heart of generosity in us as we just say, Lord, here we are, use us. Lord, we want to pick up the check to do anything that we can to fund your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Just stand to your feet all over the room. I want to pray, and then we're going to close in response in some worship. And as we worship and as we pray, I just want you to be sensitive to what God may be speaking to you as we enter into this season of giving on November 13th. And as we make this a part of the pattern of our church life, Lord, thank you for, Lord, inviting us to be a part of your work. Lord, we realize today you don't need us at all. God, you're, you're going to advance your kingdom. Lord, you're going to build your church. You're going to do it. But Lord, what an incredible honor it is that you invite us to partake in it. Lord, you invite us to be contributors to it. And so, Lord, I pray for every single person as they're hearing this today and hearing your word. Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to them. Lord, I pray you'd give them direction as they plan, as they make a vision, as they make a dream. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to them. And Lord, I pray this would be a stretch of faith for them. Lord, may it be a stretch of faith for me, God. May we believe you to use us in great ways to build your kingdom, not only here, but all over the world. Lord, thank you for using us to do your work in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. 
Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.